Hey everyone, uh, this is Nick Mahmood with Green Source Gardens, and welcome to the Probiotic Life Podcast. This podcast is where we explore the intricate relationships between human health, soil health, and ecological systems. Join me now for another exploratory conversation on the probiotic life. Hello, welcome one and all to the probiotic life. I am your host, Ben Klenner. Today on the podcast, we have Nick Mahmood of Green Source Gardens. He is a cannabis grower in Southern Oregon. He is uh, leading the way in regenerative agriculture. So he has been awarded the Emerald Cup Regenerative Cannabis Farm Award. So he's really pushing the boundaries in terms of regenerative agriculture and pushing the boundaries in terms of the legal framework because he's right on the forefront in the legal cannabis industry. So before we get started, I just want to say thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in. really appreciate your support. really appreciate the people that have been reaching out to me and sharing with me about how this has been helping them to live a probiotic life. And while I'm saying thanks, I would also like to say thank you to my wife, Mareg. She's been supporting me in doing all this. Plus, she's actually started doing the show notes as well, which is really cool because it's a way that she gets to listen to the podcast and uh, help out with it, do some of the show notes. So if you've noticed that the show notes have gone from bullet points to um, full-fledged show notes, that's because my wife, Mareg, is doing it. So thank you very much, Mareg. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who's given me a rating and review on iTunes, on Stitcher Radio, or whatever platform you listen to the podcast. So this interview with Nick Mahmood of Green Source Gardens, um, I reached out to him because I saw some of the pictures of his gardens on Instagram. And What I really loved about it is all the life, the biodiversity, the mushrooms popping up out of the Hugo cultures. And I thought, yeah, I'll reach out to this guy. So you might notice that I'm a little bit nervous in this interview and reflecting on it afterwards, I realized I'm actually a little bit afraid that people are going to judge me for interviewing someone in the cannabis industry. And then I thought, you know what? No, you know what? People are going to judge me anyways. So I'm, I'm going to put this up there. I'm going to put this out there. Um, and if you want to know a bit of my stance on cannabis, uh, I used it in my in high school years growing up. And yeah, I definitely abused it. I definitely think there's an element of abuse uh, that to, to anything, whether it's shopping, whether it's eating, whether it's cannabis, um, alcohol, anything. There's an element where you can abuse it. But like Nick alludes to in this episode, there's actually a sense that cannabis can help you uh, just as a change of perspective to see the world differently. 
So I think it is a gateway drug to connecting more with nature and seeing the world from a different perspective, seeing it maybe from more of a perspective of that we're all connected to nature. So, yes, you can abuse it. Yes, you can take it too far like anything else. And that's a little bit of my view on it. Um, But yeah, I hope that you really get what he's saying in this interview. And you can tell that he is passionate, just as passionate as I am about regenerative agriculture and these sort of things. So without further ado, enjoy this interview with Nick Mahmood. Today on the podcast, we have Nick Mahmood from Green Source Gardens. And um, he is in regenerative agriculture. He has a, um, a beautiful cannabis garden growing operation in southern Oregon. And if you check out their Instagram page, they've got some beautiful photos on there. So welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity and chance to reach out to the bigger community of planet Earth and and talk about the really important things that we need to be talking about right now. So I really appreciate this, Ben, and and really stoked to be on the show and uh, look forward to sharing a lot of good information about what we need to be paying attention to in this day and age. Mm -hmm. And I think... um for every, for everyone out there, do do you want to just just share a little bit about uh, what is Green Source Gardens? What what are you what are you guys up to? Yeah, so Green Source Gardens, um, from a business standpoint, is a legal commercial cannabis uh, producing garden, and uh, we're in Southern Oregon, and we're a small family farm. Um, it's my wife, Elizabeth, myself, my cousin, Daniel, and then uh, my parent-in-laws, uh, Chad and Leah. And so we're just a small group of people that manage a business and a production space on a 80-acre farm in southern Oregon uh, that's mostly forested with about an acre of open field uh, on a hillside in the mountains. So yeah, we're just we've been in in the cannabis thing for a few years now. Uh, ever since they allowed sales at dispensaries, we've been um, involved in that. But our main focus is really um, about uh, exemplifying biological remediation practices in concert with production and integrated in the greater ecological landscape. So trying to marry um, this idea of, of production and ecology into something that works together so we're not uh, degrading the landscape as we produce our food and our medicines. Mm-hmm, for sure. It's, um, yeah. it's an it's a interesting uh, time to be in, um, and I'm, I'm following the, the cannabis movement over in, in North America specifically because there's uh, a lot of uh, trial and error, but also um, experimenting outside the box in terms of um, growing specifically cannabis and also regenerative agriculture. I saw, for everybody out there, check out um, the Living Soil Symposium. I saw um, Nick talk at that. And Nick, I was really inspired by uh, some of the stuff you were saying there. So I'd, I'd really love to get into a bit of that. 
Yeah, but, for sure. But for sure, I'd, I'd love to just start with, you know, um, how, how did you get to this place where you are now? Like, what, what sort of set you up? What, what are the, the mindsets growing up to get you to where you are now? Yeah, so, you know, if, recalling back on just my whole life and, and what's brought me to this point, I think there's a few things that are that are huge and stand out. And, and really, you know, one that has really brought me into this space of, of wanting to care for the earth has been my connection to the natural world. And um, I, was, I was very fortunate growing up and went to an alternative um, high school that was actually based in Aboriginal philosophy. So, um, you know, we, in high school we did things like passages in order to graduate. And, and so it instilled in me this, um, this idea about... Uh, how to be as a human on on the planet from a perspective of um, you know learning how to essentially uh, learning how to learn and learning how to follow passion and the school is very alternative uh, the the teachers were called by their first names I went on so many extended trips in high school that it just really sealed this love of nature that that even came before then. I was born in northern Minnesota um, in a national park where I was kind of um, out in the wild uh, at a fishing resort on the national park just uh, exploring nature from the, from the earliest memories of my childhood. And, um, you know, moved to Denver, Colorado and, and started at this school that was very alternative um, and, and kind of kept nourishing that piece of me that really found a need and desire to want to be outside and and on the lakes and in the wilderness and and watching nature and and so that kind of just catapulted me into young adulthood and by the time I was you know 16 my you know or even before we were 16 my brother and I were being dropped off in the wilderness for like a week at a time at a trailhead and my mom would just come pick us up um so you know a lot a lot of thanks goes out to my mother who's no longer with us but um she really gave us the freedom to explore and to find out who uh we are as people by giving us the ability to do those explorations without being micromanaged and being given a lot of responsibility um, to be in those in the elements where I feel like uh, a lot of my love and passion developed in that space. Um, so, you know, high school, I, I went to college. I went to three different colleges and graduated in four years. But the whole time I was in college, I knew the institutional life wasn't for me. So I was just waiting to graduate to kind of um, appease everybody in in the world who thinks you have to go through college in order to be a valid human in society. Um, so I did all that, and I studied alternative education with that. Um, but that was kind of a social thing, the college. And then uh, w- the one thing that I did that was really important was when I finally finished schooling, I, I uh, gave everything I owned away. And for the following 10 plus years, you know, everything that I owned was given to me and and I worked in outdoor ed and I took kids into the wilderness, but I, I gave my car away. I gave all my possessions away and I lived in a small backpack for 
that was my real walkabout. I feel like that was the, the, my schooling was training me for this idea of walkabout, and I finally had the opportunity when I appeased all my graduation needs um, and family desire to see me become educated, and then I, I was able to really explore the world the way I wanted. Um, and so that's, you know, that is the foundation of my passion for doing exactly what I'm doing now. Um, you know, there is definitely a, a, there's like, you know, I could talk for days and days about all the different uh, pieces of that, but um, um, for the most part, I, I think it's really just a connection to the elements and the cosmos and understanding the importance and the value of this earth and this e ecological system and how we need to, at this point, start taking care of it instead of degrading it as we have been. So that's, you know, that's kind of the foundation. That's amazing, Nick. That um, to me, that sounds like you you did get a lot of freedom, and and uh, there's you know a lot of fear instilled in in society these days that we don't want our kids to you know go off too far or anything like that. Um, I appreciate my parents when I um, I grew up in um, Vancouver and um, uh -huh. was able to. Basically, all of we lived near the university, um, University of British Columbia, because that's what my dad was studying, and uh -huh. that was my boundaries. Basically, it was like <laughs> you can you can anywhere on the university land is fine. Outside uh -huh. of that, you know, so so there was we did lots of mountain biking and that sort of stuff. But um, what you're talking about is, uh, I would say, next level. You know, <laughs> we, yeah, we yeah, definitely it, we definitely you know, came home at night time. I do feel like. You can make those connections kind of anywhere on the planet, regardless of if you're in nature or not. But I do feel like that freedom and that, that depth of exploration does, it does evolve kind of the thought processes around our connection to the, the main thing that takes care of us. So, um, but yeah, I was, I was super fortunate. A uh, lot of, lot of trust and a lot of responsibility. So, you know, they come hand in hand, and both with my teachers in high school and with my mother. It's like we were also, my brother and I, uh, my mother was a single mother. Um, we're, we, we took on a lot of responsibility from a young age, and we're paying bills and, and helping with rent from an early time. So I feel like in some ways she felt like we had earned um, that ability to do that because we were effectively, um, as soon as we could work, we were helping pay the bills. Um, so that's, you know, that had a lot to do with it, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So the podcast is the probiotic life, right? So we're, we're t we've talked to uh, scientists, we've talked to, um, you know, mycologists, uh, tree pathologists, and, and I'd love to get your unique perspective of, of what the probiotic life is. But I think for, you know, we have such a varied audience all over the world, in fact, and um, I'd like to just get the, the sort of the, um, the elephant in the room out of the, out of the way. Uh -huh. some, some people still think of cannabis as the devil's weed, right? And then, you know, yep. there's a whole range of people all who think different things about it, whether it's medicine or it's just people just want to party or what. Explain to us what, what, um, how you see cannabis. So cannabis, so my feeling with cannabis is um, people give it too much power in the negative realm and in the positive realm. And I think cannabis 
is, like all plants, a very sacred and special plant, um, but that it's, it's, it's another plant doing work um, in an ec ecological system on planet Earth, uh, regardless of um, its effect on us, which just amplifies the work that it does. But, um, you know, when I think about cannabis and what it is, to me it's a part of the bioremediation team. And so cannabis becomes this plant that's incredible at uptaking lots of nutrients and, and, and ability to clean water. And so um, because it does grow so fast and it is an annual, we can use it in our biological uh, filtration systems or our carbon banks on a, say, hillside uh, to, to use the cannabis power to clean the water by bringing our livestock manures and stuff out onto the ridges where the cannabis wants to grow really well, where there's lots of sun. And we put all of our, our, our livestock manures and stuff farther from the water sources, and then we give it the biological capability of remediating that and taking the nutrients from those manures and turning it into more biomass and, in, and accelerating this idea of biodiversity. So um, cannabis plays a small role in a very complex and interconnected network of biology. Um, and it's just another piece of that biology occurring in that space. And, and I think it's really important for us to understand this, this because I think a lot of people are putting too much um, energy in trying to grow the cannabis and not enough energy in the bigger picture um, need right now for the planet. And, and when we start to align ourselves to the ecological nature of Earth, we start to understand that there are things that have been being done that are degrading and polluting and toxifying, and that the only real answer and solution to all of that is biological remediation. And biological remediation just accelerates the Earth's capability of production of biomass, and biomass is carbon. And so, you know, the more that we can be utilizing the resources that are given to us freely on the planet and putting them in the right places and not going to the store and buying stuff, um, the more in tune with our planet we are, the more abundance we can create without purchasing things. And I think the real goal of regenerative agriculture is to set up a, a system that will function for the future uh, because we have a lot of regenerative work to do based on the amount of degradation that we've created on the planet. And from an agricultural standpoint, we have to figure out how to get um, these systems up and running and, and how to change our view on what cultivation is and starting to integrate our, our gardens with the forests and not having them look like separate things. So it's this unification, this, this empowerment to the people to understand that they don't need the stores in order to grow things. Um, really, our whole mission is about being responsible in this day and age where there is a lot of pollution and there are a lot of issues that from an ecological standpoint, when we stand back and look at, you know, we have to figure out how to address the issues so that we can start creating the filters that clean the problems. Um, so, you know, cannabis plays a role in that and it provides us with a bunch of 
really amazing, uh, whether it's medicine or whether it's just change in perspective so that we can start to feel that connection to the earth. Um, it's, it's a part of the whole system, but it certainly, you know, it, it's, it's given too much power sometimes. And anytime I think people blame it as the devil's lettuce, uh, I think that's too just out of balance. And I think anytime people think it's the answer to all of our problems, I think it's, it's a problem as well. So, mm-hmm. definitely, and and I really um, like the way that you think about that, Nick. You can, from my perspective, you can tell that you have actually um, spent some time out in nature because because of the way you think. Because I think those are the the lessons that you learn when you're out, um, and some of the responsibility that you learn when you're out in nature. You know, as a someone growing up in Vancouver in in the nineties, uh, you know. For, well, at least for my group of friends, it was all about hydro. But uh-huh. n- now it's really, it's really progressed um, more than that in the cannabis movement. And I think it's an opportunity to, um, to lead the world in regenerative agriculture. So I'd love, to, I'd love to hear a bit more about what actually goes on at your farm. As you said, it's a farm, but you've got 80 acres and, and a lot of that is forested. Now, most people don't think of a farm as having too much forest on it. Do you want to do you want to share a bit about that? Yeah, I do. Um, so, you know what goes on here? Like we are, we're in the upper watershed of the Rogue River. Um, we're up in the mountains, and we're on pretty steep land. And so, um, all this is a recipe for kind of a more delicate ecosystem, i.e you know, lots of agricultural-type work could lead to a lot of erosion and problems, Um, and so it is very different. But I think the future of what farms are going to look like need to look a lot different than what we think farms look like. And so I don't even really like the term farm from the standpoint that it brings up this um, history of, of... uh, cultivation and monocultural desire for a single crop and production-based stuff that's all centered around economy. Um, I think the future farm is a much more integrated and dynamic scenario. But, you know, we focus uh, on the upper watershed because if you, if you scale way back and look at the bigger picture of how things are all going, um, you know, some of the biggest problems are the water is polluted and and the bottom of every creek is the ocean. And so when we look at the ocean and we start to see the islands of garbage and the acidity of the oceans going up, we have to start to address the issue uh, where we can begin the process of cleaning. And in in the scenario of planet Earth and with the gravity and the way that things work, that's at the top of the watersheds. Um, So we begin our biological filtration implementation design work into rural farms and we try to maybe collaborate these farms that are networked in a watershed to start creating carbon banks and cleaning systems for the water so that when it does rain, the water gets put into the ground, stored and utilized in in biomass growth. And if it does run off, it runs off clean because the way that things are set up um, help the water, help guide the water into a much more passive um, 
activity on the landscape. So it's it's much slower. It's sinking in. It's going to banks and pools where it's 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 slowly infiltrating deeper into the water table and therefore replenishing the water table um, as well as cleaning uh, the nutrients. And so. We, this farm, as a cannabis farm, cannabis loves a lot of nutrients. It loves to eat a lot of, of stuff. As people know, they, they think they want to put all these nutrients and, and all these uh, amendments and stuff on their beds to, to make the cannabis grow, and it, it does do that. But there's a much more responsible um, way to go about growing cannabis in this day and age, just having that bigger picture perspective. Um, so what we do here is we create giant carbon embankments. Uh, we call them Hugo culture. They could be considered bioswales. Um, um, and these are just spaces for the rain and water to infiltrate and pacify the rains when they do come so that they store deeper in a more carbon-rich bank of energy. And then that's where the production of our food and cannabis and herbs and all these different perennials and and the polyculture piece is very important. So our gardens don't necessarily reflect what people consider gardens, and they're not very kept in the organized kind of like super uh, clean, hygienic way that people like to say, oh, your garden needs to be hygienic, Um, and for some reason that means get all the organic matter away. Well, our gardens are... Are, are basically giant digestion chambers for biology, and we just keep supplying uh, the carbon for that biology to digest. And the, like, the whole backbone of fertility is biological breakdown. And so the more biology we have working in our soils, um, and that means that we're not destroying that biology by um, disturbing it in ways at levels that are going to, you know, um, ruin the legacy of that biology. But instead, we're, we're learning systems that enhance and, um, and create a more potential for diversity in that biology. And that's the beauty, I think, of human consciousness is our capability to make those connections understand kind of the basic workings of ecosystems that we depend on um, and maybe that's a part of the problem is is people right now aren't depending on their ecosystems as much as they are their stores and their moderated temperature controlled houses um, and these kinds of things so you know um, our farm it, it produces on a small on 20,000 square feet is our, our cannabis growing canopy um, but uh, outside of that, we only really manage in, in a, a productive way, only maybe another half acre outside of that. And then the rest is forest management and watershed rehabilitation projects so that we are addressing the bigger picture so that um, I can do work that functions in in beneficial ways for our environment and at the same time enhancing our biodiversity surrounding the garden that is also an integrated functional piece of managing our nutrients as a homestead in the in the mountains and so um, you know these all these components need to work together for us to move forward in in this and 
And, you know, there's a lot of hype that this is, this is really happening at a large scale, and that's great for us to think that, but the truth is a lot of these farms, these cannabis farms and such, you know, they're catching on to the language because all the language is being shared, and so people are, you know, maybe making efforts and, and connecting with this intention to want to be a responsible citizen on the planet and do the ecology some good. But we're so far from understanding what doing good is in this day and age that, you know, we can sometimes engage in our practices, think we're doing something good, but the reality of the situation is we've done more damage than we have um, anything good, at least when we're talking bigger scale carbon cycle, water cycle uh, components that, that kind of drive the ecology. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I really am excited about this fact that this is kind of a big thing, this regenerative cannabis, but I really want people to be taking the responsibility to really make sure that, um, that they're practicing with the intention to want to become regenerative. The, Nobody is really regenerative right now, and the idea of regenerative is around healing what's been wronged. And so we're all striving for regenerative agriculture at this point, but until, um, until the, the wrongs that have been done are righted, um, I don't think we can even really call anything fully regenerative um, uh, until that day, which might not be for many generations at this point because of the amount of damage that has been done in the last couple hundred or hundred years. So it's a whole new shift in mindset and relationship to the to nature, to ecology, and and you know it's all about acting responsibly. And right now, the biggest thing people I think can do in order to do that is to make sure that when they do go and purchase things and buy things, that they're they're discerning amongst the companies they're giving their money to. Because right now, maybe the most damaging piece of all this stuff going on on the planet Earth is all of us giving our money to these big corporate uh, uh, machines that are just pulverizing the Earth to make money and commodify every resource they can. Um, and I just think that's the wrong mentality. So I think bottom line is right now we're looking at needing to work really hard from an educational standpoint to get people to do a lot more research before they hand over their money to a product that is participating in a very degrading way on the planet Earth. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, um, Joel, Joel Salatin talked uh, similar. Uh, he gave some recommendation, recommendations at the end of our interview and talking about finding that local farmer, you know, even urban farmer, someone who's close to you that's not necessarily um, doing quote-unquote organic, but they are doing biological and being able to uh -huh. put their money there. Because really, when you think about it, what is money? Money is just a, a value system. So what are we valuing? Right. Yeah, the, the issue, you know, becomes like, we see the society reflects that they value the corporate producers um, because the most sales are in the corporate producers' hands, which is is a problem of capitalism in some ways. Where you know when when we open up everything to uh, this idea that everybody should be able to have the opportunity to get rich and wealthy, um, it, it can destroy kind of our relationship 
to the original source. And um, once we start to commodify anything um, and see it for economic value before we look at ecological responsibility, um, we start to make a lot of sacrifices that don't play out very well for our future generations. And so, you know, it, it might be that we all have to make a lot of sacrifices in our life at this point in order to get the ball rolling in the right direction. Because um, if we don't, we're going to see a lot of these small farms like us and, and like um, these smaller uh, people trying their best to, to change things uh, get completely sharked out by money, by not being able to uh, keep up with what it takes to be in a big industrial commercial system. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of... I, I want to put a lot of responsibility into everybody on the planet right now to start becoming way more conscious about your spending and to start really learning how to discern amongst these, uh, uh, amongst what food you buy, amongst what, you know, appliances you purchase, what packaging people are choosing. Like, we need to be looking at everything from an ecological standpoint, number one right now, and then um, that should be the pathway towards the economy that we all desire, which is one of abundance and wealth. But it might not be that we have as much money in that world. Um, it might be just be that we have a lot more of everything else. Um, and it seems like there is a lot of lacking components in, in humanity right now. Uh, but it's, you know, it's like the more money I see that people have, the more problems they end up having as well. Um, yeah, well, uh, I know that firsthand. Um, in fact, you know, uh, I was a landscaper by trade for 15 years and then uh, two years ago, I uh, I just pushed myself so hard. In fact, I was actually taking painkillers just to um, so I could keep working, uh-huh. mostly out of fear, really. Um, but once it all came crumbling down, I just pushed myself over the edge, and then um, we had a sort of forced paradigm shift. Like we, I didn't have um, any insurance or work insurance at least, um, uh-huh. and. I couldn't work. I couldn't. I couldn't complete the job that I had that I had partly done, and it all sort of fell apart for us. And uh-huh. so we we had a forced paradigm shift. And and I I'm hoping that it's not going to come to that in terms of uh, whether, however you think of climate change and what that's going to look like or how that is looking like. Um, I'm I'm hoping that part of what we can do here at the Probiotic Life is inspire people and encourage people to to do something different before it gets to a quote-unquote forced paradigm shift. So yes. I, I'd love to hear a bit more about how, how does that actually look for you on your farm, regenerative um, living, not just regenerative agriculture, but regenerative living. Um, everybody, you've got to check out um, the Green Source Gardens Instagram page. I, I just love seeing those mushrooms pop up out of those Hugo culture beds. Um, but yeah, just take us, paint a, paint a bit of a picture. Take us on a walk through your farm. Okay. Well, uh, um, so like I said, we are, we're on a mountain. Um, we're on the southern flanks of, of Post Mountain, just uh, in the King Mountain Appalachian region. So the King Mountain's kind of the biggest feature. We are in the 
It's like the southwestern um, side of the Cascades. So it's like the little mountains that kind of make up the beginnings of the southern parts of the Cascades. Um, and so our farm is kind of this uh, series of benches and terraces um, on a hillside. And it's very steep. And so uh, it's we have a lot of water here. Uh, we have multiple running creeks on steep land. It was a gold mine at one point, um, and, and then it was a horse ranch at one point. And so it had been pretty abused in its past. And so there is a lot of remediation work to be done here. But it's also on, um, it's not agricultural by any means. The soil, if, if anybody were to take the soil from here the way it is um, and take it in to be tested, it would come back as some of the lowest fertility that you could imagine. And so, um, you know, it's, it's definitely not from the standpoint of what people traditionally think of. Um, we have a, a barn with a bunch of different animals, and that's kind of like the main source of our fertility for our systems. And so that's kind of central. It's not far from the house. Um, and that's where we do a lot of soil building with their manures. And so, you know, in the beginning processes of this farm, we're only – this is our third season in production. This is brand new, this space. Um, we need a lot of – we need a lot of aggradation. We need a lot of building of the soil. And so we have a lot of animals right now. And, and you know, we all the money that we spend on stuff that comes into this farm is about feeding those animals. And then those animals create everything that we depend on from a fertility standpoint. So there is no amendments and there are no, um, you know, purchasing of things uh, to, to grow the the food and the everything uh, that we grow is all 100% reliant on whole raw material that we gather. And whether that's hay to feed the animals or whether that's branches and sticks from the forest um, or, or, or whether it's, you know, any, everything's made of carbon. And, and so life eats everything and everything is food. And so the more uh, biological breakdown you can encourage in your space, um, the more fertility you have. And so we're working on a very low fertile uh, uh, situation, and, and our whole focus is, is, is building soil, um, composting the manures from the barns. And, you know, composting these days just is like, looks like right in the beds. Everything's put out onto this hillside. Our main production garden is south-facing, beautiful open hillside that's, you know, hasn't been taken care of very well in the past. It's on a ridge. Um, therefore, it leaches the most. Uh, it's also, you know, um, when you start getting into the topography of upper watersheds, you can start to understand kind of the scenarios that I'm talking about. But we have these big kind of open field ridge um, with, a, with gulches on both sides that feed a creek down at the bottom part of our land. And then uh, so, so basically uh, we, we just are constantly building swales and – a lot of the times people think that building swales involves a lot of like earthworks and digging and 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 you know the more I do this the more I realize like if we can just build uh compost on contour on the landscape uh we're building swales even though we're not disturbing any of the underneath part and um, mm-hmm. can can you, you just know, explain to us what a swale is 
because some people might not know what a swale is. You want to just uh, explain a little bit what what that is? Yeah, a swale. I would I would define a swale as kind of like a bench on a hillside that um, allows water to hold. So it's like a it's it's almost like a terrace, but it's it's uh, um, it's not as flat. It's got a a, a sink backside uh, sink on on a berm that basically is on contour so that when the water does come from the sky, um, it, it gets pacified and it sinks into the ground, whereas um, without this whale, it might um, run right off. Um, so, so a swale intercepts flow and spreads it um, more evenly across the landscape. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we just, we're building bioswales and, and hugoculture, and hugoculture is... You know, it's it's it means hill culture, and um, I think that's a really good way to define it. In that there is no uh, exact recipe to make yourself a Hugo culture. I oftentimes discourage people from digging holes to put the wood in um, because I think oftentimes people are 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 using machines and they shouldn't be digging that much. I think people should dig. Uh, Hugo cultures by hand for 10 years before they start putting big equipment on the landscape, especially in the upper watershed areas, and start doing a bunch of terracing and benching. Um, I think you can make a lot of mistakes if you're not really ecologically keen already, and I don't think that many people are very um, ecologically aligned. And, and so when it comes to machine work and setting up things, I, I think it's dangerous with humans in the way that we act now. Um, we do more damage than we do good um, because we end up draining all the uh, water out of the landscape to try and avoid uh, um, too much water. Everybody's trying to drain everything away, but what we need to be doing is um, putting everything into storage so that we can use it when it's dry, and then we're setting ourselves up for um, um, uh, more production and less work. And that's the foundation of all of this is that we're working towards a system uh, that doesn't require that many people to manage. Um, it, it might take a little bit to get things set up and running, but once the system's perennialized, it's more of it's more of a wandering through a space and managing overgrowth and starting to understand and interpret um, this idea of competitive exclusion amongst plant species and being able to determine which plants to pull out of the ground and use as biomass to feed other plants and which ones to leave based on what their root systems are doing in relationship to the rhizosphere. Um, so that's a huge component of our farm. And, and if you're walking around our garden space, um, especially during the growing time of the year, you, you realize it's definitely not just cannabis and it is very integrated. And it's not like there is a zone that is all production for cannabis. It's, it's, it's vegetables, it's perennials, it's flowers, it's comfrey, it's all scattered about. There's a series of buckwheats that get, gets mulched out. It's just constantly uh, evolving and changing from a plant perspective until, um, you know, the plants that we introduce start to stabilize in their ability to reproduce themselves without us having to save seed and plant. 
And so in the first few years for us, it's about introducing a lot of plants, growing a lot of biomass, and then letting those plants do their thing, and then letting them seed and letting that seed get stored in the, the upper layer of the topsoil, and then allowing the things that grow here easily to grow, and not trying to grow so many different things that are a challenge to grow here. Um, and I think this is a big part of, of ecological responsibility right now is if, we're, if I'm a consumer that wanted to buy something um, from a company that was agricultural, I'm going to want to make sure they're producing it in a place that makes sense from a climate perspective for them to be producing it. And that's where cannabis is really funny because you see people producing cannabis on these commercial scales where they want to control the climate. And that's very energy intensive and kind of even against any basic principles of agriculture. Most agriculture just uses the, the spring, summer, and fall as their, part, as their growing season. But cannabis growers want to push and control every little component of the climate. And I just think that's a, you know, I just think it creates a different thing that isn't as um, good overall for the bigger picture and is driven by this um, idea of commodifying every resource we can so um what keeps me going forward is like i want to be always moving towards uh less energy intensive growing practices which means i'm developing further my relationship to my climate and i'm knowing when i need to do what and if I do it at the right time, it's not that much work, you know, but if I'm trying to start plants before they want to start and then baby them with heat and all this energy to get them growing so I can get them out, you know, it's, it's like I want to get to the point where cannabis is just another crop for me and I put seeds in the ground and it lives there its whole life and I harvest it, you know. Um, that's the goal of real regenerative uh, cannabis, I, I believe, is, is working with the climate. And, and so for a consumer, make sure if you're buying, if you're going around purchasing cannabis, even within a state, you know, you really want to look at where that cannabis was grown. And the, the one thing I can tell people is go look at the gardens that that cannabis has grown. And if you can find pictures that resonate with an idea of health for you uh, on, their, on these Instagram sites or on the websites, that's, you know, whatever you believe in and resonate with and that discernment process is where you should put your money and you know learning what that process looks like and how to see a farm online so that you can start uh being like oh there i see polyculture i see multiple plant species growing in the cannabis area i see uh the ground is covered with mulch um, it's not only cannabis, you know, it's like, this is, these are the important factors I think we need to be paying attention to when we make our choices, because otherwise we might think we're buying regenerative cannabis, and then you follow it back to its roots, and you realize uh, propane heat and out-of-cycle growing practices and all these things that lead to extremely energy-intensive methodology um, here in Oregon, indoor is still more popular and sought after than outdoor, and this is some of the best climate in the world for it. So, you know, I think people have to really start becoming more responsible as humans um, and making better choices for the environment. And even if that, you know, is different from what you've been doing, it's time to accept that it is time for us to start making changes. And one of those changes could be simply buying things from your local farm 
uh, buying in season, uh, doing your discernment in your research on your cannabis, if you're going to buy cannabis, and and it's just it's a lot more mindfulness in this day and age. Mm-hmm. I think those are uh, really good words to live by, Nick, just being more mindful. And um, there's a concept, there's actually a word in J- uh, Japanese, shinrin-joku. I hope I got that right. Shinrin-joku means uh-huh. um, going out into nature and imbibing the energy, the air, the microbes, um, and it's actually a practice that a lot of, um, at least older um, Japanese people do, is that they know that it's good for their mind and they're good for their body of actually just going out into the forest, um, smelling that sweet smell of, the, of the, the forest, the fresh smell, and just taking in uh, with all your senses um, everything that's out there. Um, yeah, and, and it sounds like that's what you're you've developed over your lifetime, but also are doing um, on your quote unquote farm. Yeah, yeah. I want I want the production areas to be like integrated with the forest. You know, I, I want to look at a production zone and not be able to tell what's being produced exactly. Um, you know, a forest is a perfect example of. Uh, you know what we're what we're striving for and um but with that said we have to understand there's healthy forests and there's forests that aren't so healthy and unfortunately right now like here um we're surrounded by a bunch of forests that have been being managed like farms and though it looks like these beautiful mountains full of trees and forests generally there's only one type of tree or there's only a couple of types of trees all selected for production purposes and and that throws the whole ecology out of whack and and doesn't allow it to become more biologically diverse it actually suppresses that turns our forest lands into monocrops and invites problems disease and and issues um and so you know really what we have to do is is think on that bigger scope and start to figure out how to heal the forest. That's my main goal, is to start to diversify from a biological perspective the forest management processes, coming up with new systems of management that take care of the forest um, and, and stop taking so much from the forest for a little while, but now start feeding back the forest the carbon that it's over-creating by too many plants growing too close together and choking out and and not having biodiversity so i think a big thing that we all you know people that live in forested areas what one thing we could do if we own land in forests is to look at it and to ask ourselves how biologically diverse is this forest how many different species of trees how many different shrub species are there gaps in the forest is there sun getting through is there molds too many molds is is what's what do i see in front of me and how can i interact with it to increase its potential uh vitality and that's kind of the main goal on a on a large scale uh for the whole planet right now is to change consciousness um to to be able to go out and see and discern on in the forest what's working and what's not 
and, and start to be able to implement basic practices that don't require anything but your hands and, and, and the forest in front of you to be able to help it out and help it do what it does best. Um, and, and that's the energy we want to tap into, and that's the energy that's going to grow the best cannabis or the best food. Um, and it's what's been supporting us for as long as, uh, as, long as humans have been on this planet. And so um, I think we need to come into this time and this era of earth-worshipping again and, and reflect on our indigenous cultures that have been on this planet, working with the planet and, and sat for thousands of years in ways that worked for them and, and supplied plenty of abundance for everyone and health. And, and um, I think... You know, I think people need it now more than ever, this idea of connection to the natural world. And I think that's our main problem on the planet right now. You can really tell, Nick, that you that you have had experience with the natural world. And um, with the probiotic life, my vision is to help people connect back to nature through specifically learning about microbes, but then learning yep. about all the different other ways um, – of that we can interact with nature, even if we live in an urban setting. Um, so, what what are some of the 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 lessons you said you've been at least on this um, property for three or four um, seasons now? Um, yeah. What What are some of the lessons you've learned in that time? What 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 are some of the things that really have been come apparent to you since you started? Oh man, this? so. You know, uh, forest management has been huge just because I, I now am on a piece of property big enough to have enough property to have more than I know what to do with, you know. So um, I've been learning uh, a ton just about um, how to read steep landscapes and how to um, understand just what I was talking about, um, how to be able to look at the landscape and figure out what's not working um, that's depleting the potential of life force here. And how do we remediate those things? And, and how do I begin that process? Um, so, you know, a lot, a lot of observation the first couple years, I, I think, is really important. That's taken me on this journey of, of getting closer with this spot, this, this piece of earth um, that I, you know, that on paper, yeah, we own, but I really don't think we should ever feel like we have to wait till we own something to start taking care of it. Um, I, I worked with urban agriculture for years uh, and lived in people's backyards, and, and, and there's a ton you can learn from uh, nature anywhere on the planet, and that's the important piece of just, like, understanding that every bit of life is sacred. All the soil on the planet... Uh, is the inoculant for all life. All you need to do is enhance it with um, carbon in order for that biology to become stimulated. Add some water, add some carbon, and boom, it, uh, it starts to wake up and it starts to become productive. Um, so, uh, and, you know, here the business piece has been such a huge piece, and this is such a crazy in, um, industry to be involved with in the onset of legalization and just kind of the crazy roller coaster of emotions that comes with um, now finding ourselves um, managing the business side of things and it's very regulated and and it's you know it's it's not perfect at all um, right now Oregon's just got way too much cannabis 
than Oregon knows how to deal with, and in fact, so much more that you know, like it's it's changing the whole landscape here from a business standpoint. So, you know, I wish I wasn't so um, as much learning about the business because I just want to be a hermit on the hillside, which I am for the most part. But I have this additional uh, stress of humans trying to implement systems um, of of commerce that aren't aren't that uh, set up well for a small farm, um, you know. So the challenges and the learnings have come a lot in this um, seeing how broken uh, industry really is and, and, and trying to maintain some integrity through the process of hanging it out until things kind of start to define themselves a little better and we can start to know what we can depend on uh, from the standpoint of, of a business succeeding enough to pay the bills that the business has. Um, so, you know, uh, there's been a lot of economical learnings, but then that has tested and, and strengthened our, our ecological sense because we're not going to flex and bend at all for economy right now. We're going to keep spearheading and going forward with um, ecology first and trust that people will jump on and start to understand the value and the importance of this. And if they don't, um, and the people don't support this process, it might not be that the people are ready, and it might not be that the earth is quite ready for the momentum of this to pick up, which would be too bad. So I'm really banking a lot on the um, on the consciousness of people right now to start waking up and to start being mindful, and people need to start putting their money into businesses that are ecologically oriented and making whatever sacrifice that means, you know, um, from from a personal standpoint, what else are we going to do while we're here? Continue to make the environment worse um, so that the next generation has to suffer all the problems of that. Um, so, you know, it's really important right now that we're all um, that we're all paying really close attention to this probiotic life um, that is happening and that we're we're very probiotic in our in our motions into the future so that we stop killing all the biology and we start accepting it as what it is that we need in order to be healthy and survive. For sure, Nick. That's um yeah, I, I'm in I'm in, in alignment with you on that. Uh in terms of probiotic life, I understand that not everyone is keen to get out to nature, whether that's because of their upbringing, you know, um, or just they're living in fear of just trying to um, pay the next bills or whatever it is. But I think, uh, as Dan Kittredge said, there's everybody is looking out for themselves. And so if we can show people, and I hope that this, um, this episode has inspired people, that we can actually look out for ourselves by looking out for the earth by creating life around us. Um, Yes, it's the understanding that the earth is us and that it is the the idea of of just becoming one with the planet and the cosmos because it's so big. It's bigger than we can ever imagine. Um, But it definitely is. If you want to look out for yourself, you want to take care of your environment. And we have too much information right now 
to ignore all the problems that we've created. So we might as well begin the process of creating solutions and coming up with um, experiments and ideas and practices and then show off all the success of what happens when we start to honor the earth and the ecology and how abundant that life is. And, and I feel like that's what our garden is. And, and so, you know, our garden is this thing that people need. They need proof that you can make it work without the stuff from the store. And that's the main, that's the empowerment piece that I really want to drive home. I, I really do want to empower people to not need to have to go buy my cannabis. I want to empower people to have a relationship with the growing process and the caring of life so that they can have whatever they want without needing it from somebody else. And there's always going to be people who specialize or live in the right climate to create something a certain way. And we should focus on supporting the companies and those places uh, for what they are really good at. And ideally, they're aligned with the ecological climate that they're in. Um, And it's not just a warehouse facility that production is the only mindset. So, um, so yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really uh, good words to live by. I'm unconscious that we're just about to finish up now. So um, is there anything else that you want to leave with our listeners for today? You know, the the whole way the world is going to play out in the future is up to each and every one of us right now. And it's it's time for us to make the right decisions. And the right decisions come from a deep relationship um, with the ecology of this planet and understanding how um, things aren't working so well for us right now and starting to remediate those processes. So regenerative agriculture, everybody should be paying attention and they should be going out and, and making the best decisions that they can with their iPhones and doing their research before they make any purchases. Um, so that's kind of the main goal right now is we just need people to wake up and and do good things. Mm-hmm. Well, Nick, you can tell that you're you're very passionate about uh, what you do, and 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 the way that you do it with the the um, intention that you do it with. So I just want to thank you so much for being on the Probiotic Life. Yes, thank you so much, Ben. I really appreciate it. And you know, the work that you're doing is super important right now, and we need to make use of this technology. So I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, uh, we'll put all the links and everything up for what you're doing. And in fact, uh, you're, you're starting your own podcast. Is that right? We are, yes. Um, we've done some recording and we're going to be putting together a show and trying to get it out this spring. Fantastic. So um, let us know when that comes out and we'll share that as well. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Ben. I was super inspired talking to Nick. Makes me want to go on a walkabout. Be sure to check uh, Nick's stuff out on Instagram at Gardens and at his website, greensourcegardens.com. We'll have all the links in the show notes as always. And thanks so much for liking and subscribing to the podcast. Feel free to reach out to us if you have any ideas or suggestions or questions or comments. And don't forget to give us a rating on iTunes. That's going to help get the podcast out into more people's ears. 
So I hope that you are inspired to live a probiotic life. And until next time, cheers. Thank you for listening to The Probiotic Life. You can find us on Facebook at The Probiotic Life, on Instagram, The Probiotic Life, and on our website, theprobiotic.life. Awesome. Fantastic.